Welcome to Machine Learning. Okay, how to profit from the coming real estate bust. This was an interesting book um, written in 2008. It, the author starts by saying, states are required to balance their budget. In 2008 forward, we'll see big cuts in spending and tax increases in state and local levels. A switch from government hiring to firing is likely. So in 2008, the idea that there was there was budget cuts did happen, but they were not significant. And taxes did increase both at the state and local level in Idaho. Consumers will react to debt burdens by tightening their belts or defaulting. Yeah, as interest rates climb due to inflation, consumers have been tightening their belt. They've been trying to lock in at lower interest rates um, and avoid the higher higher rates, which would mean higher mortgage payments. The Federal Reserve responds to slowdown in consumer spending by lowering interest rates to ease the burden of heavy in debt and to induce the rest of us to borrow more. Well, that was the desire. That created the real estate boom, and now there's an unwinding as the Fed continues to raise interest rates to curb inflation. As the Fed cuts rates, the dollar declines. Uh, so now the dollar should be gaining strength, and and uh, but as... I've stated before, it has a long ways to go because there's so much money supply. And so the dollar is fairly weak at this point due to the high inflation. Um, one thing that was interesting is we've been talking about, I've been talking about the hedge funds and their exposure to high tech and how they're rebalancing their portfolios and re- they hold large amount of shares, millions of shares in some of these high-tech companies. And as um, earnings have not been, well, in some cases where their sales, their, the sales to price were as high as 30 to 1 on the optimism that tech stocks were going to continue to climb and rally and become a major force portion of the economy, uh, hedge funds have now have experienced a revaluation. Now, this is also going to happen in the, the revaluation is going to happen in the housing market. We've experienced a housing boom, low interest rates, uh, rising inflation, drove up house prices, and now as rates are rising, more um, the house prices have to come down. But the reason they haven't come down very quickly is there's a shortage of housing housing and largely after 2009 we don't know how many homes were foreclosed on or or um, had been destroyed but there is different migration paths that are occurring like in Idaho there's a, a migration from Seattle to California to Idaho and possibly even uh, Oregon, where people are moving to 
Idaho because of its popularity. And so it's one of the fastest growing states in America and building is, is really accelerated. So even though interest rates are climbing, the housing price prices here remain high. Um, they have come down a little bit. I've noticed some of the homes uh, that were 600000 are now 500000 but they're still very expensive. And, um, and that's due to demand. So for housing boom to continue, homeowners will have to borrow more money as a percentage of their income. Interest rates will fall further in record low territories. Foreign investors will have to keep financing trade deficit by buying more treasuries and mortgage-backed bonds at historic lows, low rates. Mortgage rates will stabilize and refinance activity gradually drives up and cashes outs becoming less attractive as borrowers settle with higher payments. So you have two groups. You have the buyer who is purchasing the home and then you have the investor who is purchasing um, electronic trade funds or REITs, S, uh, real estate investment trust and they're treating these shares in as a commodity and they're buying and selling them and the price is adjusting according to supply and demand so you have those two groups that are attempting to make um, to capitalize and without the ability to borrow against one's property to buy another, homeowners will buy fewer second homes and rental properties, and home building market will contract. After some initial stickiness, home prices will begin to fall slowly into stable markets and precipitously in overheated ones. Fewer jobs will mean fewer homeowners and fewer jobs in housing-related industries. So you have this huge migration of people that are coming into Idaho, but you don't have a lot of jobs. The, uh, even though they claim that the job unemployment is fairly low in Idaho, about 2%, the high-paying jobs are just not here. If you think a given stock is heading for a fall, you can enter into a sell order with your broker. Okay, so this is a terrible idea but some people will do this. They will take and they get a sell order from their broker. And so that gives them now um, the ability to sell at a given price, option to buy, sell at a given price, and then capitalize um, when they do the buy. And the gap in between the two is their profit. So later when the stock drops, you can buy it back and pocket it the difference. This is known as selling short. This is the way the hedge funds and the investors play overvalued markets. So my guess is that the hedge funds will move from the high-tech uh, stocks and they will move into the real estate and then use um, sell shorts to selling short or sell orders to capitalize on the declining, declining real estate markets and try and then try to gain back earnings that they lost in the high tech uh, correction.
Now, shorts are vulnerable to panic buy, uh, buying panic called short freezes, where a large number of short sellers try to cover at the same time, forcing the price upwards, taking away profits. So, yeah, if you have a whole bunch of hedge funds and they all of a sudden start buying at the same time, that's going to drive up demand and uh, it's going to increase uh, uh, price. In 2003, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac had $2 trillion in liabilities atop less than $1 trillion in mortgages. Default loans, uh, Loan defaults could quickly turn Fannie and Freddie spectacular growth and call for a government bailout, which it did. I mean, there were, if you look at the history of the two, they're, um, they were they were very. They had a lot of liabilities. They're still around, um, but they're 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 probably going to be hit hard on the this real estate correction. Short sellers would quickly take fifty to seventy five percent profits. The derivatives business is easy to enter in and almost impossible to exit. A derivative is a contract that derives its value from something else. Uh, usually an asset. The function of a derivative is to divide the risk associated with the underlying asset into pieces, allowing them to be sold to different people. Stock options are purchase contracts to buy or sell a given stock at a certain price. Future contracts work the same way for commodities like wheat or silver. And the the reason that was done is is to uh, hedge against risk so that if you were planning to sell your commodity at a certain price or buy it at a certain price, then you could um, hedge in the in that direction. So it depended on wh- whether you believe that the commodity prices were going to go up or they were going to go down. Now, it works. Um, inflation is bad because it works against um, a contract that may have been signed several years ago when prices were low. And so um, as inflation increases, you still have to sell that commodity at the price of the contract. So you, you actually take a loss um, at some point or a decrease in your profits as inflation is increasing on the futures market. The new derivatives are interest rate swaps, currency swaps, total return swaps, credit default swaps. We've talked a lot about the credit default swap, portfolio insurance, and gearing. A hedge fund might put in a $100,000 investment to borrow $1 million, then buy derivatives 10 to 1 ratio. Okay, so um, Bear Stearns ratio was 1 to 165. So if they bought um, $100,000 worth of derivatives, they would have had realized um, $16 million. So that was their rate, their, there was their leveraging. Suppose the derivative is the future on the gold. The hedge fund would control $10 million in gold because that derivative, again, if it was in a ratio of 10 to 1, 
they would control $10 million in assets. So if the uh, if the commodity rate rose by 10%, the hedge fund would profit $1 million. So 10% of $10 million is $1 million. So basically using $100,000, they made $1 million. However, if the price falls by 10%, the hedge fund is wiped out by $1 million. Long-term capital management had $3 billion in equity, $140 billion in debt, and $1.25 trillion in derivatives exposures. So you can see the hedge funds, when they play with derivatives, if they're, if they're assuming that the um, market's going to go up, they use that to leveraging and to have small percentage increases to have large, uh, large payouts. But it's extremely risky on the downside, too. If Citigroup had $1 trillion in derivatives exposure, then people on the other side of the deals, the counterparties, that are dependent on Citigroup's ability to make good on its obligation in a system where insurers and insured may be one and the same, the ability for counterparties to depend to make good on their obligations. The idea was to attract new cash, which banks could use to make more loans. This would free banks from dependency on local depositors, smooth out credit cycles, and make mortgages more affordable and accessible. You know, all those things are ideals, but in the long run, as you think about each of the moves, they're really quite bad ideas. The banks being an investment house, and it's impossible for that bank to know the future. Therefore, it would be considered speculative in its investment strategies. Uh, GSE gave birth. The Federal National Mortgage Association, Fannie Mae, the Federal Home Mortgage Loan Corporation, Freddie Mac, were enabled to buy loans originated by banks. So they got the got the loans off the bank's books. They then bundled them together into bonds and sold them as like a commodity. Loans were converted into securities where they could trade like bonds. So they just, uh, you know, they converted those securities into mortgage-backed securities where it's connected to a, um, uh, to a loan's interest payment and to the premium payment on those mortgages that's great if people are working and making their mortgage payments but when you have people that are are in uh, homeowners that are not making their monthly mortgage payment uh, and uh, paying the interest then those uh, those securities are worth less a broker then sells the bonds to a pension funds and mutual funds. And possibly even hedge funds. Uh, Doug Nolan said, Fannie can give a money market fund, an IOU, commercial paper, take the money, use it to buy mortgages. Whoever sold the mortgage deposits the proceedings into the money market fund. And because there's no reserve requirement, Fannie can go to that fund, give them an IOU, and spend it again. It just seems bad to have that kind of uh, cycle. 
the because of the of the exposure risk if something if there was a real estate correction the only limitation is the ability of banks and originators to find people willing and able to buy and refinance a home well during the boom between 2005 not, between 1995 and 2001 there were an enormous number of homes that people were finding to buy and finance. $5 trillion in mortgage loans were sold. Fannie Mae accounted for 35% of all money that flowed into the mortgage, home mortgages. Nolan said, we now have a real estate economy. Fannie Mae has derivative obligations of $533 billion. Again, highly leveraged again like some of the hedge funds were highly lever leveraged. Primary interest for interest rate swaps in Fannie has uh, liabilities in excess of uh, $2 trillion. So you have $533 billion in derivative obligations. No idea really what that means, but they have liabilities in excess of Two trillion dollars. That means they owe that much. Between 1990 and 2001, the total national debt, uh, equaling the debt of government plus business plus household borrowing, reached 32 trillion. Assuming 10 to 13 trillion U.S. GDP, overseas trade deficit accumulated at 435 billion in 2002 in trade deficits. You know, trade deficits are inflationary also. So if we're, we have rising uh, trade deficits, we're going to have rising inflation as, uh, as a partial contribution from the trade deficit. The dollar value dropped against the euro, gold, euro, and the yen, and imports became more expensive. As interest rates dropped between 2000 and 2002, uh, foreign direct investment declined from... 250 billion to under 50 billion. I think that's some another area right now I would I would probably need to start looking at is how is the rise of inf rising interest rates affecting direct investment um, direct foreign investment and I would almost believe just from um, the contraction in the in the high-tech stock markets that direct foreign investment is also declining. Uh, what determines the currency value? The profit a foreign investor expects to make when they buy a stock, bond, factories, and buildings. See, that's exactly what hedge funds are doing too, is that they, they're, they're, they're buying into stocks, bonds, uh, private companies, and they're trying to turn a profit for their their investors. Um, second, a country with low taxes, cheap, well-trained workers, and clear laws make it easier to make money. When you buy a bond denoted in yen or euros or dollars, you can get interest rates to prevail in that market. The bond interest rates determine the attractiveness of the bond to the foreign investment. Despite the risk and complexity, shorting is the purest, most popular way to profit from a given stock's overvaluation. Um, oh, but that's, again, this is a derivative. It's uh, 
they're attacking it using a short option. If the housing bubble bursts, it will throw in reverse all the forces that made Fannie and Freddie Titans. Insurers will be unprepared for inevitable spikes and defaults. Yeah, that's always the bad part of recession is that a lot of wealth is destroyed. The obvious winner in the bull market is an investment industry composed of 70 firms with a market valuation of $270 billion in 2003. And these were your big banks, big investment banks, Morgan Stanley, Bear Stearns, Merrill Lynch, Charles Schwab, Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs being the biggest one of the group and the one that made the most. Investment banks survived when investors kept pulling their money kept putting their money into the game. Credit cards are the logical short candidate. Mortgage lenders have become just as reckless. There's a threat of rising defaults from the newest customers, which are only prevented from becoming a tidal wave of availability of home equity loans and new credit cards. Home equity loans are a terrible idea. That's borrowing money against your equity of your home to do home improvements. But that means that you owe uh, on the debt of your mortgage plus on what the uh, what you've taken out in terms of equity. Um, more stringent government regulations has limited the use of late fees, high rates, and other tricks for milking low-income customers. A slowdown in the credit card debt will follow by a collapse in the credit um, card company's market values. Um, yeah, and I think that credit card rates are going to go up and probably fees are going to go up to compensate for that, that trend. Uh, big banks don't do well during early stages of recession, even though big banks have handed most of the more handed most of the mortgages they have originated off to packagers. They kept enough mortgages debt on their books to cause them trouble when defaults began to rise. Yeah, we saw that definitely in two thousand nine. There were just too much uh, risk, and they and the banks were. Uh, financial health was not very good. And I have a feeling that that will be also true in 2022 um, as, uh, as interest rates continue to rise.